knows loads about underworld. Do you know loads about words? No, he knows loads of loads of things about like cartels and gangs and seedy underbellies. I love stuff like that. I think it's so interesting. The way there's this whole global market of stuff that must make so much money that is so efficient. We're in the wrong business. Welcome to Is This Working? A podcast that questions how modern work impacts our lives. The tools we use to work have changed drastically, but how we work hasn't. In this podcast, we explore how we can make work work better for us. We're your hosts, me, Anna Codrarado, and me, Tiffany Philippou. This show isn't about the future of work. This is about what's happening in work right now. What's been happening in your world this week? Well, I got on my soapbox this week on Instagram because I spotted that L UKL, the women's magazine, are advertising for an internship. And that it was, well, the original post that I saw implied that the internship was unpaid. And I think it was just a real shame to see such a high profile magazine asking for this kind of work for free and also the other thing about it is it specifically was an art internship and I'm going to read to you from the posting the ideal candidate will be an undergrad or graduate though a degree is not necessary with proficient skills in Adobe Photoshop Illustrator and InDesign and a passion for magazines now all of those skills rely on you having access to to those piece those software packages which are all really really expensive plus they're asking for, although they say it's not, not necessary a degree isn't necessary they are asking for candidates who have degrees so all of this is to say that i just think it's a really terrible practice that we see so many media outlets asking for what is essentially free work um and i don't know what got into me but i actually posted on the I sort of posted a comment to kind of say that I just didn't think it was I just thought that I thought it was really disappointing to see it that it was unpaid and a whole load of other people also commented so I don't know it's just it's just very disappointing basically that we are in 2020 and there are still media outlets and magazines out there that are just asking for what is basically unpaid labor well good for you for calling it out because I think it's always quite scary to do that and famously like the life of someone who speaks out against what's wrong throughout history is a hard life and it makes you unpopular and it makes you put yourself on the neck on the line and all that kind of stuff so well done good for you I personally think that having dabbled in InDesign and Photoshop in my lifetime uh, they are extremely hard skills to master and so just casually dropping in that long list of them and being like oh yeah if you're good at all that can you come and work for free oh you get to work at our like glossy magazine or whatever I just find find it kind of manipulative actually for young people who want really badly to get into an industry and I think it's not cool 
Well, one of the other comments that I spotted that I think kind of really summed up what is wrong with the whole thing was by the writer and Women Who founder, Otega Uagba. And she wrote in the comments, um, framing paying individuals for work as some form of benevolence or charity is incredibly remiss and pretty dehumanizing. And I'd, I'd imagine that all but the very wealthy need to be paid in order to work. Seriously disappointing to see LUK advertise this. It's unbelievably unfair and classist. And I think that her point where she kind of touches on, where she says that it's dehumanizing, I think that really gets to the heart of this issue, which is that asking people to work for free is just, it's just fundamentally not right. And it doesn't really, because the other point that her comment alludes to is that there was mention that Elle is trying to kind of put together a scholarship for people who need to get paid. And as, as Otega points out, well, everyone needs to get paid and it shouldn't be the case that, um, you know, we have to have scholarships made or whatever, especially when you're talking about something that is highly skilled and something that you've had an education or a degree in as well. So yeah, my overwhelming feeling and reaction to the whole thing was just disappointment. Yeah. Um, and also good on you, Ortega, for calling that out. I also want to add that if you're hiring people, you shouldn't really be looking for internships either, because all that tells you about someone is how much freedom and privilege they had to be able to do loads of internships. Um, I think that you can learn a lot about work and business, which can be applied in EG and magazine context in jobs where you earn money. Uh, I certainly have had all sorts of jobs. I almost said what they were, <laughs> but you name it, telesales, estate agent, news agent, and you learn skills there. So I think if you're a hiring manager, just be aware of you know what internships actually mean and how much you actually learn when doing free labor just because you're in the same room as someone. Exactly. Um, what else has been going on this week? Well, uh, Interestingly, I have been listening to podcasts about the coronavirus, as you do. <laughs> Interesting to see where you're going to take this. House. Uh, and I've realised that there's something related to something we talk about with work culture, which is very related to what's happened with the virus. So New York Times Daily podcast, excellent podcast for your daily news, Um just one quote is when they're talking about the fear is a huge vulnerability when they're talking about in China they said it creates a system where people are unwilling to speak out and I thought about how to me that sounds like a lot of what we've been talking about with regards to bad work cultures and without wishing to jump the gun a lot of bad work cultures that are based around fear which we did talk about last week are ran a bit like autocratic <laughs> dictatorships essentially but um anyway so the point i'm making is that what they said on this podcast was the reason that it took a while for the virus to for the scale of how bad this was going to be to come out is because in china a lot of government officials are expected to be perfect so when something goes wrong their reaction can often be to um they worry they'll lose their power so they often their incentive is to cover it up and to conceal and to delay and try and get handle on the problems on their own so that's what happened um with regards to the initial spread and the initial comms around it and so essentially fear-based work cultures 
literally spread viruses. So something for us all to think about. <laughs> that it really reminded me of um, the the mini series about Chernobyl, which was called Chernobyl, and how in the first couple of episodes there was a link made between the communist regime and not wanting to admit responsibility and there being such a blame culture and that there was such a there were there was obviously such a it was a fear essentially another fear-based work environment where people were so fearful about stepping out of line and getting in trouble with the party that everyone was just blaming each other and no one was no one was willing to take responsibility so yeah really interesting kind of connection there between fear-based work environments and dictatorships <laughs> so um so actually that does bring us kind of in a roundabout way onto what we're going to talk about this week tiffany do you want to <laughs> segue us nice and yeah. smoothly <laughs> yeah there you go from uh, corona right through to should i quit now last couple of weeks we've talked about the negative impact of fear on ourselves and on company cultures and today what we're going to do is talk about knowing when to quit a bad situation whether that situation be created from fear or not so that's what's coming up Anna are you a quitter well I think just that question is quite telling isn't it um even just the phrasing of it well how about this I why don't I tell you about the time that I quit my first job and how scared I was to do that please so when I had to quit my first job I I still remember it now to this day and it's been what like 10 12 years but I just remember being so terrified about actually going into my well asking my boss for a for us for a word and going into a room to actually hand in my notice and say I'm quitting um but kind of taking it back a few steps I remember also just being really afraid about just the fact that I wanted to leave the job in the first place and my first job was working at working in the alumni department at a university and it was a really really great first job and I learned so many skills that I still use now but the fundamental problem with it is that it wasn't a quote-unquote real journalism job and after about a year and a half of working there I realized that I wanted to leave and essentially do some more go and um, do more training to in journalism and get my master's degree in journalism but what it took the company the university announcing that there was a restructure happening in my department and my job was put at risk of redundancy and it took that to kind of shock me into thinking oh wait a minute do I actually even want to be here for the long run do I actually do I want to make a career out of working in the university sector and the answer was no I wanted to be a journalist the thing is I already you know I already knew I wanted to be a journalist even before that situation arose but it took that to kind of make me realize and sort of basically give me the kick up the bum and what's really interesting is there's a real parallel with the story of how I went freelance as well because it's exactly the same thing happened again um you know eight years later I was thinking about going freelance and was too scared to do it and then I actually got made redundant and then I went freelance so for me there's kind of definitely a pattern of 
when I've wanted to do something that I've perceived as risky and either it's never been, I've never really changed careers, but kind of changed tack in a significant enough way, either, either, either by going back to education and going, going and and kind of adding more training or by going from in-house to freelance. I've needed that, not needed, but it's taken it's taken me being pushed rather than me being able to be brave enough to actually quit. And I think that's the point of this episode in a way, because I really identify with that as well. I've been pushed out into situations that force me to make change. But what we're trying to do is think about quitting in a new way so that you don't wait until that point so that you're able to make strategic decisions about yourself. But to go back to your story, why were you so afraid of quitting do you think well there's two there's two kind of fear bits to unpack i think because one is the actual the kind of the the sort of the big quitting which is the you know quitting the job and i think part of that was to even though even though in that case i did want to quit with something else to go to but i think i guess i bought into the narrative that I should be working for X amount of time in a certain job. And so what I mean by that is I kind of, I had this idea that it would look good on my CV if I stayed in my first job for, I don't know, two years or three years. Uh, Cause I quit after about a year and a half. And I think in my mind, I'd hoped to stay there longer because I definitely equated longevity as some kind of symbol that I was, I, I don't know, good at a job or it, like I said, it would look good on my CV. Um, but also, like, as I said, I remember even now just how scared I was to actually build up the courage and get, take my, ask my boss for that meeting and I think that must have something to do with feeling like I'm letting someone down or looking like I'm a quitter because that's the other thing is that in the particular context of that situation there was a redundancy it was you know things were quite difficult in in the office situation and I guess I felt like you know quitting meant I was giving up and that I wasn't cut out for this or whatever it might be all of those thoughts but yeah I just I also felt this feeling of am I going to be letting my boss down what are they going to think of me? You've identified two key things there, which I think really get to the crux of why people are so scared of quitting. The first one is absorbing that advice, which comes from an old generation about what looks good on the CV, what work means, what work looks like. And that is kind of longevity, security and blah, blah, blah. Um, And that's the kind of advice we got through school. It's what we got from our parents. It's really hard to shake that stuff off. And the second thing you really identified was that ingrained thing in us again from childhood that ingrained it's bad to quit and the success of things is measured by their longevity. So you essentially had that fear about letting someone down because for something to end to us feels like a failure. So it's funny you say that because, and bear with me on this analogy, but that really reminds me of something that... Esther Perel, who I know I reference all the time, but she's a marriage therapist and it's amazing how many parallels there are between relationships and um, work. But anyway, Esther Perel talks about how bonkers it is that we measure the health of a marriage or a long-term relationship by how how long it is. So a successful marriage 
is considered a success if both people die basically or you know the end of the relationship is because of one or the other um cup part half of the couple dying and we don't talk about and when we talk about a failed marriage it's one that's ended in divorce and when actually relationships can be of varying lengths and their health and their success have nothing to do with how long they last but rather actually how healthy they are and whether they're right at that point in that person's life and and, you know etc etc so yeah this whole longevity thing I think is a really interesting issue I completely agree and that's why I wrote after my relationship came to an end that I believe that we should celebrate a breakup because actually with each relationship that's happened my most recent one you le- I learned so much and I think having the courage to say this isn't right for me anymore and I actually saw it as a way of saying yes to a future that did serve me better and so yeah I completely agree with the point you just made well it's really funny because we will because the point that you're making in your article about your breakup is why don't we celebrate breakups and rather than saying sorry we should sometimes we should maybe think about saying congratulations and it's interesting to think about that in a parallel to work because we only celebrate the end of a job when there is a new one so we don't celebrate someone quitting their job we celebrate them getting a new job when really actually getting the new job is yeah obviously it's an achievement but quitting the old one is actually kind of a bigger deal so it's just it's just that it's kind of interesting to me that sort of um how we think about things in in relation to quitting um but yeah as you said obviously saying no to something quitting something just opens up the door to another possibility well exactly and i think uh name checking the saying no episode that we did a couple of weeks ago saying no is actually a way of saying yes and quitting something is a way of opening yourself up to something completely new uh one example i have of this actually is when i was a little 17 year old i so i've played music from about i don't know the age of four or five right through to 17 and uh, I played the violin. I was also in choir and piano, but I don't show off. And <laughs> every, you know, I'd stay late at school every single day to do music and music was my thing. And I led the junior orchestra. I led the middle school orchestra. And then I was leader of the second violins. But <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to get to leader of the first violins because someone had joined who was not only a lot better and more naturally talented, but had the discipline to put the work in um, because the amount of discipline that's required to A, be good at the violin, but also to be a leader of the orchestra. um, You know, that when the bows are all going like up and down in in complete sync, like that's the leader making sure they're perfect. But anyway, it was a really hard decision because I was also like, I'm I'm no longer practicing. So what's that telling me? I'm no longer giving this my all and you need to practice to be good. And you know it's not like doing a podcast or something (laughs) (laughs) joke 
But what's interesting is because what I wanted was leadership and I wanted to do something like that. So when quitting was a really hard decision, but when I quit, the next extracurricular thing I went on to do was to become the chair of debating society. And I'm Tiffany sounding- was a nerd at school. <laughs> I wasn't in any of these clubs. <laughs> I know, I'm sounding so cool right now. So I went to do debating and um, I mean, the skills I've learned through debating are just absolutely transformative. I think every school should teach it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's op- opening myself up to a whole new thing. And as, as you remember, debating society was so cool. It was cool. Yeah, it was. I, I remember your Christmas debate about whether or not Santa is a should exist or whether he's real. I don't know. Anyway, that's a but anyway, learning the art of talking. But anyway, the point is that's just one example of saying no is also saying yes to something. I'm sorry I took so long to tell that story. Well, it's interesting. It's funny because it's talking about you know quitting when we are at school and quitting something like violin after you've played it for so long especially also to your 17 year old self, that would have been a massive decision. And then it would have felt like a huge thing that you have to go and quit. Also, imagine you would have had to go and tell parents and teachers. Uh, yeah, and all, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was scared. I was scared. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the reality is that quitting doesn't always have to look and feel as dramatic as we think it might be or what we build it up in our minds. Um, because, you know, even though now that we're freelance, I still you know, in theory, there's nothing for me to quit, but I still quit stuff. You know, I quit freelance projects or um, sometimes, you know, I've, um, it's not really, I guess it's not exactly, it's not full on quitting, but I've decreased how much time I actually write because I've added on things like the podcast project or public speaking projects or, you know, other things. So sometimes quitting doesn't have to be quite as dramatic as we think it think it is. Yeah. So it's almost like a practice to make space for stuff. And um, another personal life example is, I didn't even realize it was sort of quitting, but you made this connection when we were thinking about today. And I sort of said in passing that I'm going to quit the apps for a little bit. So the dating apps for Hinge, because I need to prioritize work for the next few weeks. Big stuff's happening, watch this space. (laughs) Um, But once a PR, always a PR. But anyway, um, but yeah, so that's a sort of mini quit, but also that's not that dramatic. You can also go back to it. So again, I think basically the point we're really making here is that quitting has got a lot of stigma attached to it. But the reality is what quitting means doesn't have to be as dramatic. And it also means opening the door to greater stuff. So we kind of need to overcome those fears that hold us back from moving forward. Yeah, micro quitting. I like that as a concept. Um, Great. Well, maybe we should talk a bit more about how to figure out whether or not you should actually quit and some practical tips. Sounds great. Right, so that's how we need to reframe quitting. Let's talk a bit more practically about how to assess whether or not to quit because this is an extremely difficult thing to do. We opened the podcast by saying that we've not always got this right ourselves. What do you think, Anna? Do you want to kick us off? Well, I often, being a freelancer, I often get 
people coming to me who are in jobs who want to talk to me about whether or not they should quit their job and go freelance. And I think that also is a question that a lot of people, it's, it's quite a big question, I think, that many people do ask. And every time I've spoken to someone about this issue, the one thing I always ask them is, are you being pulled to freelancing or are you being pushed away from your job? Because those are two quite distinct differences. And interestingly, I've had quite a lot of conversations with people who've come to me asking um, asking to talk about this idea of going freelance. And in our conversation, it's transpired that actually they're just unhappy in their job and there are some issues in their current situation which need resolving one way or another and actually it's not that they want to go freelance it's just that they're not happy in their job and sometimes those problems can be resolved by having conversation with a boss or sometimes those problems can be resolved by finding another job and quitting that job but just going to another one um because that's the thing right i think it's quite normal for everyone regardless of this regardless of whether it's a work situation or or a life situation when we are feeling really stressed by something or when we're in a situation that we really don't like our instinct is to run run away from it and do the opposite to it so i think that's where this kind of idea of i want i want to quit and also want to go freelance because that's kind of the most extreme thing that you could do um so yeah i think that's a really important one for people to kind of think about whether they're running to something or running away from something uh, for those who aren't in the room, so aren't uh, Chris, uh, I'm nodding very vigorously away at that point because what I also see is when people are in situations, they're very emotional, which is fair enough, but it's very hard to see what's going on properly. And so often their reaction is very emotional and that means they overcorrect in a way and they think that to solve their problems, they have to do something really extreme, which is what we often see can see sometimes when people aren't happy in their lives and they think oh well I should move abroad and all my problems will be solved it's that kind of thinking which I think you have to be very wary of yeah exactly um I think the moving abroad thing is a really good parallel I've done that one as well um and um you know are you actually you know are you running away from something or running to something so yeah that's a really important thing to think about um but yeah what else what else do you think people need to be mindful of when they're trying to assess whether or not they should quit a job? Well, interestingly, on the one hand, be wary of overcorrecting, but on the other hand, be wary of not thinking big enough about the change that you need to make. So often I hear people say, I don't like my job, I just need another one. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to be doing a similar role in a similar type of company, are the problems you're having actually going to change that much? And I think people, as well, when you move countries, I've also moved countries, so I'm not accusing you of this, but you bring yourself with you, unfortunately, and you bring your problems. And then quitting moving abroad is really hard, and that's a whole other thing. But you'll bring yourself with you to your new job. And if your new job looks and feels similar to your old job, it's very hard to guarantee the change that you're actually seeking, especially if you don't know what, that change that you actually wanted was so what I'm trying to say is like really think strategically about why you want to quit and what that means for the next thing that you do and money's a really good way of 
bringing this point to life so sometimes people are like oh I want to earn more money okay well I'm just going to go and go a step above my current job at a new job and it's like okay great you might make what like I don't know what pay rises are 10% fine if you're like I want a life where I am making a lot more money then maybe you need to think about going into a job or career or industry that makes more money like a lot more money and again it's like what are your true frustrations and what changes do you need to make to have big change so that those frustrations are met I think the money point is a really good one to bring into this because I think that in relation to jobs money can be the element that really clouds people's judgment and also often is used as as an excuse to either stay in a place or go into something else that maybe isn't quite right either because the quote-unquote money is good when actually there are plenty of people who will take a pay pay cut for a job that they actually really love and the money then no longer becomes a problem um it's just i do find it really interesting how money and pay rises becomes much much more of an issue for people who are actually struggling to find some more intrinsic motivation or more kind of connect more with why they want to be doing something and then money becomes a really easy thing to focus on instead and it kind of distracts from the real problems absolutely and the other thing as well when making these decisions which is similar to the point i was making before is think about how you want to work so think about the culture of where you are and how decisions are made or what the work lifestyle is like and how you might want to change that and make sure you're looking for a next move that is able to provide those things for you because you don't want to just do a same same but different change so this podcast is all about how you work so obviously you need to think strategically about how you want to work what about though in situations where you quit with nothing else to go to well I quit a job when I was living in New York and I had they gave me a couple of I had a couple of months uh, of pay and also of um, health insurance I had no uh, cushion outside of that so I had no savings or anything Uh, I had the opposite of savings what's that called debt (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah and so uh, and two months of health insurance so essentially I had to get a job that would give me a visa within two months or I'd have to leave the country which to me at the time felt very devastating because I really really wanted to stay in New York um I uh therefore very much for me there was no question about leaving New York I wanted to stay and it was absolutely, it was really, really scary. But uh, just in the nick of time, I think with one week to go, I actually got two job offers. So I think that it can sometimes work out okay. And when I think about maybe when I've left jobs and not had that same amount of pressure, I perhaps haven't acted as quickly. So you're really like Rachel from Friends um, in the early episodes when she's also obviously living in New York and working in Central Park in the coffee shop and really wants to be in the fashion industry and so Joey and Chandler tell her that she has to quit because she needs the 
the fear which is the pressure to actually find something new. Um, one thing I will say, obviously, about both of those examples, in the end, Rachel also manages to get a job. It's not exactly the dream job, but it's still a stepping stone into the fashion industry. Uh, but one thing I will say about both of those examples is I do think it is, um, is worth kind of emphasising that they both were in America, where the culture of quitting and starting a new job is quite different. So people, there are basically the um, le- people's, leave no not leave notice Notice periods notice periods are much shorter so it is possible to kind of have that higher turnover but that being said this idea of having a fire under your ass is is something that is is really powerful for many people and can be um and I I do feel like I sorry yeah no no I do feel like I hear a lot of people who I feel like are lying to themselves into inaction and I know that sounds super harsh but I think it's really easy to hide behind actually I'm just scared I just need security um and stopping yourself from acting and I think that's a really important but harsh point to make yeah no I think that's I think that I think you're right um I think the difference is I think I think there are situ- some definitely situations where you should really consider quitting when you've not got anything else to go to. And those are when, say, for example, actually the company's doing something that you really disagree with and you just don't want to be part of it anymore. In those circumstances, definitely quit so without any other, you know, immediately. Um, or, you know, when it's your health or well-being that's on the line, I think that's kind of really something, you know, if the, if the job is putting you under an enormous amount of pressure that is negatively impacting you then don't stay in it just because it's a job um but one thing i will say is if you quit without having without something to go to and both in both your example and in rachel from friends example you didn't have necessarily you didn't have concrete jobs but you had a very clear idea about what you wanted or there was some kind of plan or some kind of um strategy basically because leaving on and leaving one job on a negative and sort of you know kind of like going in all guns blazing saying i quit and i never liked one never wanted to work here anyway and then just sort of you know leaving in a haze of negativity without any idea of what you want to do next that that's not going to set you up in a particularly strong way i don't think well i have another story about this as well which is why i can so confidently say that i do feel like we tell ourselves lies to not act because that's what i did where i was at a company and i quite openly was like i want to explore different careers i've been doing the same career my whole life i fell into it i know i don't want to do this um and i was sort of half acidly like feeling my way around it I was quite interested in going into politics um (laughs) and you know going to a few meetings blah 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 and it wasn't until I was sort of pushed out that I really full time with a clear head had no choice but to be like oh no you you can't just keep talking about this you have to (laughs) you have to act it out but so but my point is I left having had quite a lot of ideas about new industries that I wanted to explore and obviously I've not ended up in politics but I've tested that even though my test led to that's not what I want to do and coming back to your original story where 
you knew you wanted to go into journalism. That was a test that was more successful <laughs> than my political test. But that's exactly what you're saying. Like even an inkling is like good enough, right? Well, the whole point of testing the waters and running these kind of essentially these sort of mini experiments on yourself is to either confirm or to confirm an idea or not. And going back to the whole point of this, it's also fine if that, if the result of that is that you don't want to do something, you don't, you know, you can, you can quit an idea. You don't have to start something. So, you know, I'm all for testing the waters. Yeah. So have faith in yourself that you will find something better whether you're quitting a job or a relationship or any bad situation or even the violin <laughs> but yeah i think that's um that's all for today thanks for listening bye